Morning. How are you? Are you well? Good. Nice to meet you all. Welcome to episode three of Thurless Press podcast. This week, our guest is the one and only Ray Goggins. You'll know him from his stint as the Chief Instructor, or DS, on RTE's Ultimate Hell Week, but Ray has so much more strings in his bow than that. A former Special Forces soldier who now runs course field training, which offers high-performance coaching and team building. He is also author of Ranger 22, available in all good bookshops and an ideal Christmas shopping center. Ray, welcome and thank you for giving us some of your time today. So, to be here. So, tell me where it all began for you. Take us right back to your time in school and what led you to your decision to join the Army. Oh, wow. Back to school. Jenny Mac, can I, can I remember that far back? Um, yeah, I went to a Christian brother school in Cork City on the north side called the North Monastery. Um, famous for hurling, uh, but I suppose um, I wasn't a great hurler, so I was always into kind of track and field and sprinting and stuff like that and being active and training. Um, I got into martial arts, so the Kung Fu was a younger man and swimming and all these things I loved. So I always liked the outdoors. I always liked activity and um my family had been in the military as well, so, you know, it, it's not that it was spoken about at home all the time or I was expected to join, but I think it was just something I always wanted to do. I, I don't ever remember thinking of anything else. So, yeah, I joined up as soon as I could, really. You know, so that's, that's kind of, if that answers your question. Yeah. And um, tell us about your army career. What was it like being part of the Special Forces? Yeah, it was brilliant, to be honest. Um, it's an amazing experience because you're, you're working with people that are very like-minded that everybody is there for the best reasons and everybody's there to give their complete commitment and 100 percent to achieve the mission and you know if that means even getting injured if that means you know getting hurt or risking your life and all this that's all part of the job so what i loved about it my favorite part about the whole special forces life was it wasn't the you know, all the fancy equipment and like all the stuff you see on telly. For me, it was just a friendship you had with other people that were just very like you. And like you, you knew that if something went wrong for you, that they would do everything to help you, protect you and look after you. So that's, um, yeah, that, that, that's why, what I loved about it. So it was brilliant. That's so nice. Um, you've visited many disadvantaged countries. With COP26 being so topical at the moment, have you witnessed how climate change impacts on these countries? Yeah, I have, to be honest. I suppose the, the as a younger man, I wasn't as aware of climate change. So I'm a lot older than you guys now. So when I was kind of coming up to my 20s, uh, climate change wasn't as much of a big deal. It was just kind of in its infancy that people were aware of it. Um, so I wasn't that aware, really, because a lot of the places where I worked back then weren't really touched by the Western world. So I spend a lot of time in, on jungle operations, places where there's there's not even electricity. So, uh, like, it, it, there's not a big effect on, on that case. I suppose my in most my work, most recent times when I worked as a private security contractor in Afghanistan, um, I was definitely more aware of climate change there because of the unseasonal weather conditions that would happen um, in, for example, um, in the winter time, you know, usually in, in Afghanistan when it comes to winter, it's just probably snow and cold. 
but because of what was going on on the Hindu Kush mountains nearby and snow melt and stuff, there was a lot more rain than normal. So you'd have like days of almost like monsoon type rain, which is unusual at that altitude because it's it's pretty high up all the time, you know. So yeah, that, that's when it kind of really kind of hit home. And uh, in Afghanistan as well, obviously, you know, conditions are pretty tough for families and stuff. So when I lived in Kabul, people don't have like central heating or so they burn whatever they can. So people burn plastic, they burn everything, all the wrong stuff because they just can't afford to be good about it, if you know what I mean. So it's a survival scenario. So um, that, that's probably where I noticed more recently climate change. Yeah. Um, have there been times when you need to implement the lessons you learned in the army into your own personal life? So, sorry, I just didn't catch the end of that. So, it's the impact on my personal life, right? Yes. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, it is. Look, it's a big, it's a big step um, to join the military. And, you know, my, my family, like, I'm, you know, I have a wife and, 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 and children. And, like, it's, it's a big kind of step for them, too, because I, I would spend a lot of time away, I guess, um, on, on these missions and operations and it's it's hard because it, you're you're missing out on a lot of life at home like I remember having Christmas dinners with my family like we are now uh, I'm on a call with them and I'm I'm eating whatever I am in Afghanistan and they're at the end and like obviously it's Christmas day and people have are having fun in a family environment and you're down the end of the table on the computer and they kind of forget about you <laughs> yeah look there is an impact on family yeah like um they have to be more resilient and they have to be able to deal with the day-to-day -day stuff without, without my help. Not that they can't do that. They're, they're brilliant at it. My children are very resilient and, and so is my wife because of that fact. They have to do a lot more for themselves, I guess, compared to other families. So, right, that was a long-winded answer to your question, Darren. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> Tell us how Ultimate Hell Week and your role in it came about. Yeah, well, okay. So it came about kind of by accident, really. Um, I was asked by a former colleague of mine that I worked with, you know, who had uh, this production company had contacted him through the Department of Defense. And he was saying, look, are you interested in doing all in this? And I said, no, I'm not. Um, thanks very much. So I said, no, first. Uh, then after a bit of kind of badgering, I guess, from him, um, I said, OK, I'll have a talk with them. And when we built the team, then the other DS are three of my greatest friends for many years. And we've been involved in a lot of things together on missions away and things at home and friendships and families and so on and so forth. So like I couldn't have asked for better people around me. Uh, so I decided, okay, we, we, I'll try out. So we did a kind of a screen test for RTE. And um, after they watched it initially and got over their shock of what was going on, they decided that they'd make the show. So that's kind of where it went from there then. Um, did you feel a certain pressure being the main DS or did it come naturally to you? Um, does it come naturally? Yeah, there's certain natural attributes that I I use, um, and I'm, I'm I I have a lot of self belief and confidence, I guess, uh, built over years, and my ability to deal with what other people would call stress or anxiety, I don't see them as negatives. So I actually feed off things like that. Um, my composure is pretty good. So I had worked with the other DSs before, and when we all served together, I had been in command of the group anyway. So it was probably a natural fit. I, I didn't decide I was going to be the chief DS. Everybody else said, look, you're going to be the chief DS. So it just worked out that way. So yeah, it was a natural enough fit. But um, no, and just to let you know, it's almost a figurehead position 
like we work on a collaborative system so when we're designing the tv show and every, all the events and all the stuff yeah i'm the chief ds but we all put in our input everyone has their own i don't just decide what happens we work between us and if i'm not towing the line the lads will pull me aside pretty quickly as well you know that's how we work so yeah that's how it goes so everyone takes control at different times if you notice on the show everyone's in control at different times my job as a chief ds is yeah i'm in control at times but i'm kind of over everything to make sure that it's all going well or not. Yeah. Um, do you treat the contestants in Hell Week as harshly as you were treated? Do you know what? We know, um, to be honest with you, and I keep saying this to people, the military course, the army version of this course, like nowadays runs for nearly one year. Um, and it, no, it doesn't go as intense as you see in the show, but if you see like the, the, the more, more recent one with the, um, the professionals, it was filmed over five days straight through. On the real course, that version is four weeks. So you're looking at 28 days of doing that, not five. So the the instructors in the real course are like have the same persona, even worse than what we have, because you're trying to um it's basically your um almost interview of a candidate. So once that candidate gets into the, to your unit they're in your team and if they're not good enough and you let them pass something that they shouldn't, then it's going to come out in the wash and six months time or a year's time, someone might get hurt or killed because you decided, ah, look, I'll give them a chance. It doesn't work like that. In the real world and in special operations, you don't get second chance. You know? So that's, that's why we're that hard. Is the show is on TV, a fair reflection of what the contestants went through or does that say make it seem easier? Does it make it seem easier? Um, no, it is a fair reflection, yeah, because unlike um, maybe other shows, and look, it is a reality show. I, I've, I've kind of accepted that now at this stage, but um, it, it, there's no, like people don't understand. They forget about the, the cameras really quickly, as do we, because we isolate them from the camera crew. They're not allowed to talk to anybody. It's only us, the DS staff deal with them for everything. Um, so they're very much after like 12 hours in, in that environment that's who they become they become that number almost a psychological step so they become that person so we yeah we, we, we treat them pretty tough and it's a fair reflection of what you see on the TV you know if you think of it like you know each episode that you see if you've watched the show is like 55 minutes so that's that's a day probably worth of events so it's 24 hours or probably 22 hours really like dumbed down into 55 minutes so for the editing team there's so much stuff they have to like what to put in and what not because there's so much happens there's so much happens at that time for us. so there you go what contestant impressed you the most what contestant impressed me the most on this one um i definitely a lot of the female contestants on this one because in particular some of the like uh laura nolan who'd be known for being you know a model and a dancer and, and maybe people thought that like she was she wasn't tough like she was incredibly tough and to be honest like i'm the youngest of a lot of children and i have four older sisters so i know not to underestimate women at any stage but um she, she was incredibly strong and determined but i suppose the, the the female that impressed me the most on this show and the contestant to answer your question was melanie notcher um who had a lot of stuff to deal with after her issue with the olympics and so on and so forth but like her mental strength and her ability to persevere 
is phenomenal. She was an amazing person. And like a very, you know, her core at her core, she's a brilliant person as well. You know, she, she brought so much. And like it just shows it's not about how big and how strong you are. And the difference between guys and girls doesn't matter if you have it in your, your mind and you want to do it. Like she, that mountain test, for example, was plenty of strong guys didn't make it and she did. So it's a good lesson for all of us about mindset. Was it hard to enforce your duties as a DS, especially as contestants or celebrities with no army training? So was it hard to, to deal with them? Um, okay, I'll give you an example, right? I'm a huge Monster fan. I love Monster. Went to loads of games, and like you probably won't remember, but when Monster in the late '90s and 2000s, when we were going to the Heineken Cup finals and losing, I used to go to these games, and uh, we lost, we lost, and then we won in 2006 for the first time. You probably remember your parents talking about it or something like that. So Peter Stringer was a huge hero of mine. I, lo I loved him. I thought he was a great player, along with Barry Murphy, you know, for example. Um, then they arrived on the show. And I don't care who they are. They get a number. They're in my world now. And I don't care what they've done before, whether it's good or bad. Once I get the number, it didn't matter to me that I, he was someone that I really admired and so on and so forth. He was just number seven to me or whatever he was. That was it. So I, I actually can very easily step into that mindset. It's something we learned in Special Forces. You need to be able to focus and readjust within a heartbeat. So you need to be able to go from, for example, being asleep to like 100 miles an hour within a, a couple of seconds. And you, you learn that, and luckily it, transfer, it transfers into our normal life as well. So that's a good thing. Um, what skills that you learned in the army did you pass on to the contestants? Good, great question. Um, what skills? Okay, so I suppose for us, we, we try and pass on. We're not really teaching them a whole lot because it's more of it. The time is so tightened. We're testing them and. We're relying a lot on what they bring naturally. We're just trying to bring out of it more out of it. Um, I suppose what we try and teach them, and the main thing, I guess, is it's all about resilience and being able to adapt and carry on no matter what's going on in front of you. Uh, so that's probably the big part of it. And that comes from your own self-belief and what I call your, your reason why. If your reason why you're doing something is big enough, like there's nothing will stand in your way. You keep going, no matter what, you, what it is in life you're doing. So yeah, there you go. Tell us a little bit about your book, Ranger 22. Where does the title come from? Okay, so the title comes from me. So when I went on selection, like the, the um, students on the TV show, you also get a number on the, the course. So the first night you start back in, back in those days, we used to all start at six o'clock on a Sunday night in the winter. Um, and you go to this base and I, I got this number, Ranger 22. And while you're doing your training phase in the Ranger Wing, that's all you are. You're Ranger 22 until you get to the stage where you qualify. And then you, you get what's called being badged. It means you get into the unit, like whatever, how many months later. And then I get, went back to being Ray Goggins then again. Mm -hmm. So that's where it comes from. That was my number on selection. Um, do you impart any valuable lessons you have learned over the course of your career? Yeah, um, I have. There's probably two main lessons um, I can give to anybody for anything you do, whether you're in school like you guys or whatever you do going forward. The first and most important thing um, for me is being calm. Um, if you can manage to be calm, no matter what's going on, if you're stressed over exams, you're stressed over school or 
you know, whatever you do outside, friends, family, like if you take a couple of deep breaths, relax and just take it easy. Think about what you have to do before you actually do it. So instead of uh, reacting, you respond. That that's it's actually to be calm is actually a superpower I've discovered in my life. Some of the situations I've been in that have been pretty extreme. Um, once I stayed calm, people feed off that. So that, that's the first thing I'll say to you to be calm. The second thing I'll say to you is um, what I've learned is understand that mistakes happen. If you can really understand that, that you know, the way you have your life planned or whatever you're going to do planned, it won't go exactly the way you planned, but that's okay too. And if you do make mistakes and things go wrong, understand why they went wrong and forgive yourself for, for getting something wrong or making a mistake. And if, if you can do that with yourself and other people in your life, you'll be a much happier person. You won't get upset over stuff as much. You won't be stressed out and all these things. So there are the two things. So being calm and dealing with mistakes positively. Like for me, they're, they're a key value in life. Core skill training. Can you tell us a little about that? Yeah, so Core Skill is a company I set up myself um, only this year to start of the year. So it's basically a, a training company. So I obviously I specialize in resilience. I'm, I'm not going to teach people how to do ballet or something like that. That's not happening. Um, so I do kind of resilience, team building, um, you know, um, high performance kind of stuff, and just dealing with like, you know events and scenarios just to make yourself better at reacting with it so you bond better with people so i do everything from like you know talks in schools to corporate to companies like huge uh, international companies like county football teams hurling teams rugby teams all anything because it's all like everything you do in your life is is pushed by your mindset no matter what you do whether you're um you know a doctor a professional soccer player, whatever you do in your life, or a soldier or whatever it is, it's pushed by your mindset. If your mindset is good, there's nothing in the world can stop you. If your mindset isn't good, there's nothing in the world can help you. And that's kind of what I do with people at the moment. We notice that core skill focuses on training both the body and the mind. Are the two interlinked? Yeah, like the whole link for me, for great question, by the way, body and mind, yeah, like, I kind of have an adage that I say to people that I, I've discovered that I do every day for myself. And I think that link between mind and body is incredibly important and physical activity. Like, um, look, I know, you know, after COVID and like you guys are out of school for months and, you know, you're missing your friends and, you know, it's hard to be active and train with your teens. But like, I knew this before all this happened because of my lifestyle, but other people, maybe not so much. Like you can't underestimate the power of physical activity for yourself you know, on a daily basis, if you can do 30 or minutes or an hour of something and uh, just put you in a better place, you feel better about yourself. So for me, that link between body and mind, I always had. But what I didn't have, then I bring in a third part of it is, is your soul about being happy. So what I do on a daily basis, I try and feed those three things. So body by physical activity, whatever I'm doing, like being healthy, eating well, sleeping, all these good things that we, we hear about that we're supposed to do. Um, the mind I keep active by like what you're doing every day and now you're learning new stuff all the time and like hopefully even when you finish school and college and you move on to your career you keep that curiosity for learning things and that's what I, I do because like even if you told me a couple of years ago I'd be on TV and I'd have written a book I'd have started laughing at you you know what I mean but like if you're curious and things will happen for you it's good and then the soul thing it's about being happy every day not like okay in five years time I'm 
working towards this and then I'll be happy. You need to do it every day. So whatever you find for making yourself happy, whatever that is for you, um, is incredibly important. And for me, I find doing things for other people is straight. It sounds like I'm Mother Teresa here, but like that's what I get the best kind of buzz out of. Like it's, there's no money can do it. There's no faith. Nothing has the same effect of someone genuinely saying to you, listen, thanks very much for doing that for me. Like, you know, it's really positive, whatever. That for me, that's that's the key factor. That's that's what I, gives my soul that kind of lift. Are there any other projects you'd like to talk about or mention here today? Any other project? Yeah, I, I guess I, I've developed. I, I'm becoming an entertainer now, apparently. So I'm uh, I've paired up with Rory O'Connor from Rory Stories. I don't know if you, you're familiar with him. Like I never was before the show. I didn't even know who he was. Um, and I still haven't watched any of his podcasts. But don't tell him that, right? Um, <laughs> So we're we're going on a kind of a tour. Um, we're talking about mindset and resilience, and you know, like all these things I'm talking about now. So we start in Dublin um, th this month, and a couple of other tours. I went to Galway and Limerick, and so on and so forth. So I'm I'm looking forward to because all the three things I talk about feeding every day, I'm feeding all of them by doing that because I'm learning new stuff with him. Yeah, it's not my natural ability, even though I am confident and I can talk to people. Like I'm not a performer. Like I'm not. I don't. I don't relish going on the stage, talking to people about you know stuff. But I can do it because I don't. I don't get worried about stuff. You know, there's no point. So that's yeah. That's probably the new thing, I guess, for me. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us. You've learned so much, and um, finally, just reminded to all our listeners that Ray's book, Ray's Twenty Two, is on sale in all good bookstores. Thanks again, Ray. Thank you. Lovely talking to you. Absolutely brilliant. And here, fantastic questions. I'll keep an eye out for you on RT in a couple of years' time <laughs> when you have your journalism courses done in college. Yeah, I'll keep an eye out for you. Thank you. Thank you. Well done. Fair play. Well done.